So we are now up to our third class on dreams, learning out of the text. For those of us who are using the Gemaras, we are going in the um, final art scroll, Amasach de Brachis, to page 55A4. So as we mentioned, that we are speaking now about the highest level of a dream, which we'll call that a prophetic dream. However, it's important to note that a prophetic dream is not on the same level as a real prophecy. Now, the state of the prophet is not exactly what we would call our normal conscience state. Actually, we have a tradition that aside of Moshe Rabbeinu, when a prophet is in a, is in a prophetic state, he's not connected to this world. He will have, or she will have, mamish no idea of what's going around them to the point that they will be unable to stand on the, by themselves prophets would go into a into a laying a very unusual position before they enter the state of prophecy for them not to fall and be hurt and here we're going to continue by writing a pasik in yirmiyo so again we are up to 55 a4 we are in the utmost right column almost towards the top of the talim when it says in the in Yirmiyahu, Hanavi Asher Itu Chaloim Misaper Chaloim, the prophet with a dream can only relate a dream. You see, we're calling him a prophet. We're calling her a prophet. So there is a prophecy aspect to dreams. However, the verse also makes clear that a norma, a normative prophecy, a prophecy not through a dream, is even more superior. The Asher Devarai Itoi. But the one with my word, Yedaber Dvari Emes, will speak my word, Emes. Now the word Emes is superfluous, because if all this verse wants to point out is that as great as a dream could be, and like we mentioned, we have prophetic dreams, but nevertheless, straightforward prophecy is even greater so it would have sufficed for the Yenema to say that the prophet that has a dream can relate a dream. The prophet that has my word will relate my word. That clearly implies that God's word is more authoritative <clears throat> and will have a much greater impact, even Begashmias, than only a dream. And then the verse adds, How can one compare shaft to wheat? You know, when wheat grows, it grows in ears, but the ear is like a stalk, and then out of the stalk, you have what goes out like these side little branches and you have they end with little kernels but the kernels are not pure they are they are wrapped in a little what we call shaft in a klipa and you have to actually crush crush them in order for you to separate the shaft from from the from the uh, wheat so the pasik is comparing a dream shaft and that's what it sounds like. And a real prophecy, that is wheat. So asks the Gemara, why does the verse give such an analogy? Not to say that a dream is shaf, which means a dream is klipa, of no value. No. This is actually a description of a dream itself. In the name of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, in the name of the Rashbi, that just like the way God made the world. 
We don't have wheat without chaff. They come together. Obviously, the important part is the wheat. If the kernels grew very big, they will also be in, in the quantity, the vast majority. But there's going to be chaff there. Likewise, even a prophetic dream will have some parts that will be completely irrelevant, that will be senseless. Because when a Navi, or when people like us merit to have a prophetic dream, we are looking at the dream through our, through our vision. It's like if you put on dirty glasses, then whatever you see will have some of the of the smudges of the smudges of the of the glasses superimposed on what you're seeing out there. So we are looking, we are looking at the prophetic dream. So when the Navi enters a state of prophecy, he completely leaves his body removed from any Gashmi. So then they have a purer vision. But a dream, even though we're sleeping, we're not looking through our physical, you know. Uh, eyes but we're still within we are more enclosed within our vessel and therefore even when it's prophetic some of it will be will be senseless will be meaningless and Omar Av therefore based on what we learned above that that a dream a prophetic dream even when some of it comes true which will actually prove aha it was a prophetic dream it's coming true you should know as a fact all of it will not be fulfilled. Because unlike a prophecy, a dream has some shaft in it. Again, just a, I, I don't want to repeat the whole intro we gave last week again, but I just want to bring back one Nakuda. And that is, is that even though we are learning a statement based on a Pasuk, and we have a Rabbi Berechia that clearly states that every dream will have something that will not come true, there are exceptions to that. And actually, whether we'll come to it this week or we'll come to it next week, we're going to end up extrapolating from various statements in the Gemara that in a prophetic dream itself, there are three levels. So until now, we spoke about three types of dreams. Now we're going to go into the third category, the highest category, putting together what we're beginning now and going forward, we're going to end up having three levels in a prophetic dream. Wow. Now, says the Gemara, where do we know that? Where do we know where Abirachia is telling you that even a prophetic dream has some shaft in it? In the Pasuk in Yirmiyah, you could interpret it very different. You can say that a dream is like shaft, a dream is Bechal nonsense, and a prophecy is wheat. We know that from, says the Gemara, from Yosef. Because it says regarding Yosef that he dreamt, and behold, Hashemesh, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. Now, the 11 stars are all of his brothers. Who is the sun and the moon? His father and his mother. His father and his mother. Says the Gemara, When he had that dream, his mother was no longer alive. So the moon bowing down, the mother bowing down was impossible. And Yosef's dream was prophetic. And we know that because the Taka came true. So here you see that even a prophetic dream that comes true has some klipa, meaning some nonsense, in it. Now, I want to say a couple of comments regarding Yosef Atzadik's dream. That the Medrash says that the dream came true in its entirety. Because when he had the dream, even though his mother Rachel was taken no longer alive, but he became adopted, so to say, by his mother's um, Ima, the, the two Imais was Zil, Zilpa was connected to Leah, and Bilas connected 
to Rachel. He was raised by Bila. And therefore, Bila is considered his mother. So she was actually alive when he had the dream. However, another important historical fact, Bila did not live to go down to Egypt. She passed away prior to that. So not only was his mother not alive, but even though the mother was not alive, we can argue that the dream at least then could have been fulfilled because his stepmother is a mother, which goes into a whole beautiful halachic discussion. And that is what, what are the responsibilities of kibud ava'im regarding one's step-parents. And clearly this will be one of the many sources that a step-parent who is involved in the education of, who is involved of the parenting of stepchildren. They have, the children have a certain, at least a certain amount of biblical obligation, which is connected to Kibadava Aim. Right? We find something similar. How, do, how are we to treat our in-laws? Father-in-law, mother-in-law. So our spouse is obligated Kibadava Aim. So to a certain degree, I know it's not the, the black and white Kibadava Aim, but there is a certain amount of additional respect that we must give our father and mother-in-law. This is whether we like them or not as an extension of we're married to the wife, to the husband, who's mechoyev in Kibadava'em. Something similar happens here by step-parents, uh, but even coming back to the step-parent again, since Bila was not alive when ultimately when this dream came to its fruition, so who bowed down? Who bowed down to Yaakov? Yaakov bowed down to Yosef. All the brothers bowed down to Yosef, but not the moon, not the stepmother. All right. Says the Gemara Vaiten, Omar Rabbi Levi, Lo'olam Yitzapa Adam Lachaloim Toiv, a person should reasonably maintain their hope for the realization of a positive dream. Not saying, oh, if it didn't happen, then it was not prophetic. No. Because a, a, even a prophetic dream, going back to the story of Yosef, can take 22 years until it manifests in the physical world. Ad Esre Mushtayim Shanu. We're not saying that all positive dreams need to take 22 years, but we're saying that this is more or less um, an, an important milestone. The Gemara is also not saying that after which it's not going to happen. The Gemara is not saying that. The Gemara is saying that after two years, stop hoping for it to be realized. After 22 years, you could logically put a question mark whether it was prophetic or not. But it might manifest many years after that as well. But up until, two, up until 22 years, keep your hopes up. And where do we know it from? From Yosef. And as the Gemara points out beautifully, that when the Torah records the dream that we just quoted, which is in the beginning of the portion of Ayeshev, the Pasuk gives an age to Yosef. It says, Elo told us Yaakov. These are the descendants of, this is the story of Yaakov. And the Torah says, Yosef was Ben Sheva Esrei Shana. Yosef was 17 years old. Then the Torah gives another age to Yosef. That is, when Yosef was 30 years old, they stood him in front of Pari. So how many years passed from when he had the dream until he was really appointed as viceroy, as viceroy, 13 years, right? From 17 to, to 30 is 13. Then, then you had the seven years of plenty. And then, as we have a tradition, that the seven years of famine did not happen in one go. Two of those years we entered the second year of famine when Yo when Yaakov sent his sons and ultimately Yaakov descended with all of our grandparents, with his children, into Egypt. So you have to add to the 30, 
you have to add to the 13 another total of nine years seven years of plenty two of the seven years of hunger so nine plus 13 is 22 so when did they actually bow down in front of him 22 years later so Gavaldik, so up until 22 years a person should continuously be mitzapa that means you should await for the dream that you feel somehow was prophetic for it to manifest and don't be disheartened oh it didn't happen yet patience until 22 years after 22 years not that it won't happen but then you should you should question whether indeed it was prophetic or not okay any questions before we move on all right Vaiter. here we go Heather. buckle your seatbelts Omar Rav Huna now Rav Huna was a rabbi at the times of the Talmud he's a Yamoido he's going to make a statement and and we're going to have to limit substantially the statement that he made Let's begin. This is our, at least, this is our first understanding of the words of Rafuna. That, wow, for a good person, they won't show a good dream. There's another text here that reads that to a good person, they show a bad dream. And to a bad person, either we don't show a bad dream or for a bad person we show a good dream now what does that mean what does that mean so we have to go back to a little bit to what we learned last week but all of that is predicated on a very interesting psychological place that we are advocating for a person to get in and i have to reiterate what we're saying right now is a very important thing to learn about it doesn't have to custom fit you or it doesn't have to custom fit you the way you are at this moment in your life there is a group of people which is whom we are speaking about which them having a certain amount of healthy anxiety is extremely beneficial and for this category of people having no anxiety having the illusion that everything is going to be just wonderful is actually very unhealthy now again i have to say that this has to be balanced this is not necessarily the mindset or the emotional set or space that everyone should always have to be in but just understand what we're saying over here let me begin with the second statement when people have a over amount of certainty that things will be good and i know but when people only live always in that bubble in that in that space then they don't take certain precautions that one should really take you know, when you think about, I, we can give so many examples. Pashat security. Trachkut vetzayngut. Do you lock your door at night? Why? Trachkut vetzayngut. Everything will be wonderful. Everything will be wonderful is not something that we always have to live with. We have to do everything that we could do. And after we did our part, then we give it to God and we say, it's all going to be good. But we have to have that mindset at the right time. Now, Part of we have to do our part, and my example was lock the door before you go to sleep. You know, lock the door in your house, whatever. If you live in a neighborhood, that warrants that. I'm not saying that that is a truth everywhere. I'm sure there are many places in the world that that's completely not necessary. But whatever, there are certain precautions that you have to take through action. And our Gemara, which is getting a little bit mystical, we're not speaking about actions at all. We're speaking about emotions. When people say they want to be completely anxious-free, there were no anxiety in their lives. 
Let me speak out for a moment the upside of anxiety, and you can apply this to any area in your life, but being that we're learning Torah, so let's apply this directly with Kedusha, let's apply this as to our relationship with God. We have a relationship with God. People are more aware of it, people work on it, like any relationship, if you invest in it and you work on it, it gets better, it becomes more tangible, it becomes more real. Every person has, people have a negative relationship with God. They are angry. They might not say the word God. Their relationship is a relationship of anger. They are angry with, ultimately they're angry with God. You're angry with God, we're happy with God, we're doing for God, we're expecting God to do for us. Let's speak about that part where I accept as a mature person that for me to have an even more relationship with Hashem, some of it is on me. Some, At least some of it is on me. And, and, and what motivates me, let's use the words in Tanya, what motivates certain behaviors will be my desire to get closer to God. This is what we call in the Tanya Avas Hashem, that the love of God is a motivator for mitzvahs. If you love God, God and you want to get closer to God, and we know what God wants, not what we would want for God to want. We know what God wants from the Torah. God wants the mitzvahs. So the more I love God, the more my desire to get close will motivate me to do a mitzvah. Now let's put that aside, and I want to focus on the other holy midah of Yira, which perhaps should be learned about even more, more than we are. Yiras Hashem means that a person in any relationship, especially if it's good, the person is going to have, whether it's conscious or whether it's unconscious, a fear and anxiety. If it's in the right dose, it's very good, very healthy of, I really don't want to lose this. I really don't want to lose this relationship. When people have no such worry, in other words, the good that they have, the connection that they have is taken for granted potentially it can lead the person to doing things that are harmful to the relationship but they did it because they were not aware of no it's fragile if i'm going to go beyond this boundary i might lose it all and if people are more mindful of i might lose it all that also is a emotional boost it's it's a koyach that keeps people doing what they should do to enhance the relationship and it helps people not violate the trust of the relationship. I think what I'm saying is partially very obvious. Now, when we live in a society that everything has to be love and love and love, people don't speak about that as much as we should. As we are entering and going into Yemoy Samoshiach, in where Yira is going to dominate over Ahavod, that's what it means. You know, in English, it would mean not taking things for granted. Not taking things for granted brings, I'm going to use the word, fear or anxiety. Maybe, maybe things won't be as good as they are right now. And therefore what now? Therefore, just to worry, that's horrible. That's never advocated. But the moment there is a certain behavior that I can follow, which will address this fear then this fear is going to inspire me to behave accordingly. So in my example of a relationship, that if I know that my spouse does not want me to do A, B, and C, subjective, her, her thing or his thing, if I don't take my relationship for granted, I will be inspired and motivated not to do A, B, and C. Because I don't want to, I'm, I'm afraid to lose the, the great relationship. And then flip, if I'm going to take my relationship for granted, oh, the good part I'm going to have regardless what I do, so then I'm losing 
a, a needed, many times a needed emotion that will help me overcome certain nisyoinus because, uh, you know, there's, I don't see, I'm not conscious of the downside. And coming back over here, that's exactly what the Gemara's, what Rafuna begins. Now we're going to have to limit what Rafuna is saying. He's making a very radical statement. He's saying that a bad dream, a bad dream is basically, a bad dream meaning a person who understands that they're dreaming that something bad is going to happen to them. And as we spoke out last week, even regarding a pure prophecy, not only regarding a prophetic dream, any negative prophecy could be overturned if the person does tshuva. And don't think that tshuva means that I'm evil and tshuva means I'll become a tzaddik. We know that, no, no, you're not evil and you're not expected to become a tzaddik. Tshuva means that if I improve, if I make a little bit more effort, if I do another mitzvah, or if I refrain a little bit more from doing what I know I should not be doing, this will enhance my relationship to God. And there, and then when I go to a little bit of a higher madrega, the prophecy won't come to fruition. So having a bad dream, we spoke this last week, has an upside if we want to apply this to our relationship to God. Now really, we can broaden it. It's all, it's all the same. It's really all the same. It's all about our relationship to God. Let's say a person has a dream that something begashmius is going to happen bad to them. Well, we know that if I'm going to get closer to God, God is going to protect me. God is going to remove that decree. So a bad dream has the upside that people are not taking their good for granted. Reverse, when people are convinced that it's for, it's for sure going to be good. And don't make no mistake, it's very important to have that mindset, it's going to be good. But if you, will, if you will take all of the good that you have now for granted, and not also putting it a little bit on me, it's not stam good for no reason. It's good because I earned it. But what I earned yesterday, right? If you made a great sale yesterday and you earned your grace of money yesterday, it doesn't, we know all that, the money runs out. You have to earn it again. So having a good dream can make people lax. It can take away the Yiras Hashem part of our lives. And that's, and, that's really, and that's really a punishment into itself. So therefore, to bad people, God gives them the illusion that everything will always be good for them. And that is, so to say, God is removing the inspired Yiras Hashem, which will make it even harder for them to develop and to upgrade their relationship with God. All right, I hope this was spoken out clearly. So here we have like a flip. A, a good person will have bad dreams. A bad person will have good dreams. Says the Gemara. Oh, first of all, Tanya Nami Hachi. Now, not only was this stated by a rabbi from the era of the Gemara and Amoira, now the Gemara, as it does commonly, it's going to show you that there was another statement made in the prior generation by the rabbis of a higher level from a Tana that says the same thing. But that Tana is not giving a broad statement. It's speaking about David HaMelech. And so says the Baraisa, that Kol Shenoisav Shal David, during all the years of David HaMelech's life, Wow, David HaMelech did not see a good dream. And during the life of Achi Teufel, Achi Teufel was an advisor first to Shaul HaMelech and then to David HaMelech. Achi Teufel is considered one of the wisest men who ever lived. He was considered the greatest political advisor that ever lived. And tragically for him, when David HaMelech's son Avsholim made a rebellion against David HaMelech, as many people are familiar by learning Nach, Achi Teufel sadly chose Avsholim 
And had Avsholem followed his advice, Avsholem would have won the rebellion, which would have culminated with David being killed, God forbid. Avsholem did not follow his advice, and therefore Achitoifel foresaw that Avsholem will lose his rebellion, which Achitoifel foresaw that he picked the wrong side and he committed suicide. That's an Achitoifel is viewed not only as wicked after he sided with Avsholem, but that, so to say, revealed that he was always a wicked person. He was a great political advisor. He did whatever he felt was good for him, but it was never about God. So Achitoifel was never shown a bad dream. And that ultimately took away his gifted Yerashomayim, if you can say that. And, and therefore, it was much harder for him to side with the side of the tzaddik. And indeed, he chose, without any help from above, the bad choice, and he sided with Avshalom. Asks the Gemara, how can that be? Are you telling me that a tzaddik, let's go to David HaMelech, will never, will never have a good dream? Well, that would mean that if anyone, any, any one of us ever had a good dream, well, that means we're not a tzaddik. Well, we learned Tanya, we know that that's the way it is. But it's a very strong statement. It says in Tehillim, Kapitel Tzaddik Aleph, Loi su'una elecha this is a bracha, you know, we read this uh, Matzi Shabbos, amongst other times, that no evil will befall you. And what does it mean that there's a promise that no evil will befall you? And Va'amar Abchizda, in the name of Rabbi Yimri Bararba, that that means that we are promised, Shuloi Yav Hilhucha, that we will not be um, confounded, confused, not with Chaloi Mesroim, not with bad dreams, and not with bad thoughts. In other words, this is like a bracha that we should not have any sort of mental anguish, which includes bad dreams. And when it says, let's just finish the verse, that that no plague should even come near your tent. What does that mean? Again, this is not the pshat. The pshat is that a plague should not come, a coronavirus should not enter your tent. But there's something deeper than that. And that is, This is a specific blessing that when a person comes back from a journey, and if the person's wife is a nida, so then the person knows, okay, the wife is a nida. If the, per, if the person's wife is not a nida, then she's not a nida. When a person comes back and for whatever halachic reason she has a doubt, that in itself is called a plague. Because clarity, even when the clarity is not what we would have preferred, is a lot better than a doubt. You know, there's a statement of our sages that there is no greater joy than the joy of resolving a doubt or getting out of a doubt. The worst thing is to live in the I don't know phase. I don't know this. I don't know that. I don't know what's going to be. I don't know what to, de- to decide. That anguishes a person. We're not speaking about the physical. We're speaking about emotional and mental. So when a person comes back from a journey and his wife is a Suffolk Nida, that's a specific type of anguish that was brought about from the heavens upon that couple. But coming back over here, the fact that we are saying that loy means that you should not have a bad dream. So what are you telling me? That, that a tzaddik is not, is not given this blessing. So now we have to limit the statement of Rav Huna, which, which will explain the Tano regarding Dovar HaMelech. A righteous person, <coughs> a tzaddik, will not see a bad dream. But when Rav Huna says that for a good person, we show a bad dream, not to them, 
Listen to this. That means that other people dream that something bad is going to happen to the tzaddik and the tzaddik finds out about it. Wow. So now we are already opening up a whole new subcategory in dreams. Until now, all three levels of dreams that we spoke about until now was about me dreaming about something related to me. Now we're speaking about how do we view if I dream something about you? I'll tell you a cute story. When it came to uh, different Rebbes, including Rebbes from our dynasty, generally Rebbes were very reluctant, reluctant to assume that position. And there was a, I don't know if it happened, this happened with one of our, with one of our Rabbeim, many of which did not want to accept the mantle of, of, of a Rebbe, of Rabbistava, or whether it happened in another Polish dynasty, but the content is beautiful. That there was a, there was a, um, there was a person who was asked to become a Rebbe and he, and he didn't want to. And he had a dream that he became a Rebbe. And he ended up for some reason sharing it with others. So the other Hasidim said, Aha, you see, you dreamt that you'll be a Rebbe. That's a sign from the heavens that you should be a Rebbe. So that person responded, no, no, no. He says, if you would have dreamed, dreamt that I'm Rebbe, that has, that, that has a lot greater meaning. Me dreaming that I'm Rebbe might only mean, he said, that, that I am thinking too great about myself. I'm arrogant. So that's a psychological dream. So I think that I'm a Rebbe doesn't mean that it's a prophetic dream. In other words, prophetic dreams aren't only me about me. Prophetic dreams is me about you. Isn't that amazing? That means that if you dream about someone else, you dream about Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, if you have that dream, it could be that for whatever reason, God did not want to communicate that directly to Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. So, and God is communicating it to you, not because you're holier, like we're learning right now. Could be Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, because of them being holy people, right? So God doesn't want them to lose their, uh, their anxiety of maybe my relationship doesn't have to be improved. And therefore, they, they, not for them not to feel that for sure everything is just perfect. They themselves don't dream about themselves. They don't dream good directly about themselves. They don't dream bad about themselves either. Because that's already afflicting them. Other people dream that something bad is going to happen to them. And they are to hear about it. And when they hear about it, that, that, that gives them the feeling, oh, opa, something bad might happen to me. I better improve my relationship with God. I should not take my closeness right now for granted because that person is basically dreaming that I'm going to lose it. Gavaldik. Okay. Says the Gemara, hold on. So if you're telling me that to a tzaddik, you don't show a good dream, not to give them the sense of, of certainty. To the tzaddik, they're not going to have directly a bad dream. The Gemara's next question is based on the premise that there is nothing in between. There isn't like neutral. If it's a prophetic dream, they're letting you know something. Now that something is either good or bad. It's not neutral. If it's neutral, then it's irrelevant. Then why would you have such a prophetic dream? What, what difference does it make? So, so are you telling me, therefore says the Gemara, that a good dream they're not going to show to a tzaddik because to a tzaddik you don't show a good dream. A bad dream you don't show directly to the tzaddik because that's already a punishment. 
which means that the tzaddik has no dreams, that, that in itself is a terrible thing. Says the Gemara, which means that tzaddik has no dream. Is that, is that to any advantage? No, that's not to any advantage. Now we're turning the page over here. Turning the page to 55b2. You have to get used to using the book. Says that whoever sleeps for seven days without having any dream, that in itself is an indication that that person is now classified as ra, as bad. Wow! And why is that? Now, according a pasuk from Mishlei, and we're going to give it a a drush spin. It says yalin. Literally, it means that that person, a good person, will rest sated, satiated, full, and that person won't be visited by evil. That's the literal meaning. So says the Gemara, it means something else. That the word saveya, satiated, full, savua, can also be read sheva. Sheva yolin bal yipaket. Now put a comma. If a person sleeps for seven days and he was never visited, which means the person had no prophetic dream at all, that's an indication that that person is Ra. In other words, one of the ways that God connects to us is by giving us a dream, prophetic dream. That alone is a connection. So the Gemara says, Now let's further clarify what Rafuna is saying. Really, a righteous person will see good dreams. A righteous person will have a prophetic dream at least once a week. And we should take this to you. You will have a good dream. You'll have once a prophetic dream once a week. You won't remember that you had that dream. Wow. So we spoke out last week and two days ago how elusive dreams are. And there is, like we mentioned, a psychological aspect to that. Being that when we are younger, especially when we are younger, dreams are so overwhelming. Some of them are overwhelmingly difficult. You call them nightmares. We don't know how to deal with it. It's too overwhelming. And one of the psychological protections that God built in all of us is that we have the ability to literally forget, blind spot, something that we can't deal with. So from young on, psychologically, we learn how to ignore dreams. That's a psychological reason why most people don't remember dreams. Now we're learning here a Gavaldika thing. To a tzaddik, God will never show a bad dream. To a tzaddik, God will never show a good dream because it's important for a tzaddik. We're speaking not about the tzaddik and Tanya. We're speaking about you. It's important for people not to have this illusion that everything is wonderful with God. No, it's on me. There's always my part that I have to do things to make it better. And if I won't do that, you know, a relationship... It's moving. It's either getting better or, God forbid, the opposite. But a, but a good person is supposed to dream. So God gives tzaddik good dreams, prophetic dreams. But for you not to walk away with, with the feeling of, wow, I'm so close to God and it's all good, a little bit of anxiety is very healthy in this context. God makes you forget the dream that you had. How amazing is that? So if there's a good dream that you had and you forgot it, it could be you forgot it, not because you learned how to forget your dreams. You know, there's many techniques that you can do to, to help you figure out how to remember dreams. They say that if you put a little book near your bed and whenever you wake up, you right away write down your dream, that's going to help you. It's gonna, it, you're going to mamash, you're going to see that if you do that every single morning, you, you're going to think, wow, I'm dreaming so much more. It's not true. You're dreaming the same amount every night. You're going to become a lot more aware of it and you're going to remember your dreams a lot better.
but it won't help for this. In other words, a dream that God is giving you, but he doesn't want you to remember it because he wants you to be a little bit anxious, God will make you forget it. So David HaMelech never remembered his dreams because David HaMelech was a perfect tzaddik. So they never showed him a bad dream. All of his dreams were good dreams, but God didn't want him to know that he's having good dreams. So he thought, he thought that he's not dreaming. That's the Pshat and Rafuna. Maybe, you know, on a positive note, that maybe most people who don't remember the dreams, maybe they're good people, Taka. They're not getting, I uh, was speaking about prophetic dreams. They're not getting, they're not getting any negative dreams. No, you're promised that God will take away bad from your tent. But maybe God doesn't want you to remember the pleasantness, the feeling of closeness to God from a good dream for us to remain on our feet and for us to live with a certain amount of, I don't know whether our closeness to God will, will always be. Now, half of that is up to God, so to say. Half of it is up to me. And therefore, I'm going to make an effort every day to make my relationship with Hashem better. Any questions? I see a smile, but I don't hear any questions. Yeah, I have a question. Hold okay. What does it, what does it say about never remembering any dreams ever? Not even the regime of the dream works. So, Rami, we, we, Mamish just learned about this right now. But let's let's go back. Let's take a, let's take a step back. First of all, let's go with the premise that there are three types of dreams. What we are learning about right now does not relate not to where you ate you ate you're starving. Or you ate something that who knows what, that it's not working with the body. We're not speaking about those dreams. We're not speaking about psychological dreams. If a person doesn't have any psychological dreams, we didn't learn about that today. We'll learn about that later. We're going to learn a lot of stuff. If, you, if a person thinks, I never have prophetic dreams, it's possible that that's an indication that they are very good people. So that's Gavaldic. I think that's a big nechama. That means you're a tzaddik, you're a tzaddikis, and God doesn't want you. God doesn't doesn't want to give you the the sensation of wow, you're getting prophetic dreams. I want you to know. Let me say in the reverse. Whoever does have, whoever remembers that they had an, they had a dream that was very good, and they know this was emes. It's taka very powerful. It's very powerful. You feel like you feel like you had yichidus with the rebbe, which is good and bad. It's good, of course it's good, but I'm saying we're learning now the negative side. It makes a person feel a little bit too confident with themselves. All right.